why do I want a Canvas Pass Kids doll for Christmas? Uh, because they don't look like the other dolls. And they already have a name. Was this you, your child, your grandchild, and or your stepchild around Christmas time in the early 1980s? If so, then do we have an episode for you. If that doesn't apply to you, you should still stick around because we're talking about the nefarious origin story of Cabbage Patch Kids. Cabbage Patch Kids, this week on This Was a Thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at the Cabbage Patch Kids. Now, this was a thing because the 80s was the era of excess, and boy, oh boy, did parents get excessive. The things they did to get their hands on these odd-looking dolls in 1983 set a precedent for what it was to be a good parent for the following holidays. The holiday season of 1983 was unlike any scene before. It was the Cabbage Patch Mania. Every parent had to have one to put under their Hanukkah bush or Christmas tree or whatever your religion has you put your presents under. Whatever it is, a Cabbage Patch doll had to be there. Now, the Cabbage Patch website tells the story of how a young man named Xavier Roberts started making these dolls in the late 70s. But the truth is much, much more cabbagey. The year is 1976, and the setting is Georgia. The Cabbage Patch website states, As a 21-year-old art student, Xavier Roberts rediscovers needle molding, a German technique for fabric sculpture from the early 1800s. Combining his interest in sculpture with the quilting skills passed down from his mother, Xavier creates his first soft sculpture. You're saying that Xavier rediscovered it. That's implying that it ever went away in the first place. Amen. Actually, what happened in 1976, Xavier Roberts was running a small gift shop in North Georgia, and he would go to different craft fairs to find things, you know, to sell in a shop, a gift shop, so different types of gifts. So one of these craft fairs was in Louisville, Kentucky. It was at this craft stravaganza that Xavier met Martha Nelson Thomas. Now, Martha was an artist who used many different mediums for creative expression. Now, in 1971, uh, while while she was a student, Martha started experimenting with soft sculpture in the forms of dolls. Martha just started experimenting, and she's had a lot of wild nights. Her friend's like, I've just been doing a lot of experimenting. Man, I'll tell you, Martha's like, I've been doing these soft sculptures, and they are looking very real. And they're like... (laughs) Well, Martha, I'm not going to tell you about my experiment, but college is a lot of fun if you really just left and put the needle point down, girl. <laughs> she started experimenting with soft sculpture, like I said, to form of dolls, and she designed her doll babies with input from children she knew, and she made them by hand and sold them at the local craft fairs. 
Now, each one of these doll babies would come with a birth certificate, and you wouldn't buy a doll from Martha, but you would adopt one. Xavier asked Martha to supply him with dolls to sell in his gift shop in Georgia, and she agreed, and Xavier sold her dolls in his store for a brief time. But then Martha found out that he would mark her dolls up incredibly high, and she did not like this. So then she stopped selling her doll babies to Xavier. Now, Xavier did not like this. And he wrote her a letter saying something to the degree of, if I can't sell your dolls, I'll sell some just like them. And with that, Xavier started to make his own dolls. He would call them the little people. He changed the look just enough and modified the adoption papers and birth certificate just (laughs) enough so that he could then obtain a copyright. This is illegal. Well, nope. He changed them just enough. This is the late 70s. So now let's go back to the Cabbage Patch website. The year is 1978. One of Xavier's first little people is entered into a contest. His name is Dexter. The website says, Dexter wins a first place ribbon for sculpture at the Osceola Art Show. Xavier begins delivering his handmade little people originals and exhibiting them at art and craft shows in the southeast. He finds that many parents are happy to pay the $40 adoption fee for one of his hand-signed little people originals. Now, Xavier does win first place ribbon for the sculpture with Dexter at the art show in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, Returning home to Georgia, he organizes five school friends and incorporates original Appalachian Artworks Incorporated. Xavier and his friends renovate the L.G. Neal Clinic, a turn-of-the-century medical facility in Cleveland, Georgia, and opening... Babyland General Hospital to the public. These dolls are possessed. <laughs> Babyland General Hospital, and I'll get into it, that you can go still visit Babyland General Hospital. I don't want to go to, to Babyland General Hospital. Oh my God. I'm terrified. So the little people were first sold at Art and Crafts Fair, like I said. Like Martha, you could adopt the little people. They weren't for sale, it was all adoption based, just like most children when you're looking for them. Prices could go for up to $1,000 for these what? things. Yeah. Why? Because they were that custom. I don't know. Now, for some reason, Xavier signed every doll's butt with his name, Xavier Roberts. And this con- tradition would continue when they became mass-produced. So every- Tradition or fetish? Well, either way, they are. St- his, his signature was still on them for years to come. Babyland General Hospital is a different story. That is just so much fun. Now, Babyland General Hospital is presented as a birthing nursery and adoption center for premium Cabbage Patch kids. You get a birth certificate, adoption papers, and the names that were pulled from a 1938 Georgia birth record. And there are live births from the mother cabbage tree. Now, there's a couple (laughs) different clips I found, and it's not really worth putting on here, but I just have to tell people you need to look up babyland general hospital on youtube because there's a nurse and there's a tree they do an ultrasound of the tree the tree has a little screen that shows there's a cabbage patch it's still open and it moved into a new 2.5 million dollar location in 2009 and it i mean if when you see this thing it is gorgeous and it's so on so real, much land they're real homeless children in america but These dolls have a roof over their head. Exactly. Thank you. Okay, let's go to the year 1981. The Cabbage Patch website says... The growing success of Xavier's handmade Little People originals is documented by Newsweek, The Wall Street Journal, The Atlanta Weekly, and many others. There are reports that earlier editions are readopting as much as 100 times their initial adoption fee. 
can you believe that? A hundred times. Now, what the website doesn't mention is how fucked up this whole thing is. (laughs) I apologize for interrupting. It's just, I always thought that these Cabbage Patch dolls were just simply these cute dolls that somebody had put out there. I'm telling you, of all the research I've done, I think that this story could probably be turned into a film the most because of just the characters and the little things. Who would play Xavier? Xavier Roberts. Um, I, let me see who could get. Um, um, you know who probably could do a good Xavier Roberts? Dan Levy. Great. So Dan Levy's Xavier Roberts. I don't know what his accent would sound like, but he seems, I, did, I think he could do a very good Xavier and Roberts. Who's, and who's the woman that he steals from? Hillbilly Elegy Amy Adams. Done and done. Thank you so much <laughs> for the with, with a bowl cut. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. We got wigs. What the website doesn't mention at all is Roger L. Schlafer's influence on the brand. Now, in 1981, at the height of Xavier's success, he was approached by Atlanta designer and licensing agent Roger L. Schlafer about licensing little people. But since Schlafer thought the name was mundane and Fisher-Price owned it for the toy category, he invented Cabbage Patch Kids. His goal was to build the first and largest mass-market children's brand in history. So Xavier Roberts didn't even come up with the Cabbage Patch Kids idea. That was Roger L. Schlafer, but he's not anywhere to be found on the website. In order to attract potential doll manufacturers and to create the entertainment and publishing business he envisioned, Schleifer and his partner slash wife wrote... The Legend of the Cabbage Patch Kid. To make sense of how special cabbages gave birth to the Cabbage Patch Kids, Schleifer invented bunny bees, a bee-like creature that used their rabbit ears to fly around and pollinate cabbages with magical crystals. So that's how they got pregnant? Yes, exactly. No fucking. No, no, no. Bunny bees are just pollinating with magic this crystals. Is, I, I will say I have not heard of a toy that is so steeped in realism as the Cabbage Patch doll. The fact that it has to be conceived, the fact that it has a sonogram associated and with it. And bunny bees pollinating. There's bunny bees pollinating it. This is very... G.I. Joe didn't get this backstory. Oh, absolutely. G.I. Joe just had a fucking scar on his face to show Betsy you the... Betsy Wetsy didn't get this backstory. No. She just had incontinence. Since Xavier insisted on being a character in the story, Schlafer created him as a curious 10-year-old boy who discovered the Cabbage Patch Kids by following a bunny bee behind a waterfall into a magical Cabbage Patch where he found the Cabbage Patch Babies being born in a neglected garden. Now, to save them from being abducted to work in the gold mines operated by the villainous Lavender McDade and her two cohorts in crime, Cabbage Jack and Bo Weasel, young Xavier tries to save them by finding loving parents who would adopt them and keep them safe in their homes. Now, if I didn't do a good job of explaining it, let me have Joe Prosey, who him and his wife own, I believe, the big biggest collection of Cabbage Patch dolls in the world. The story for the Cabbage Patch Kids goes that Xavier, when he was a little boy, was walking in the woods one day and he saw a bunny bee flying over a magical Cabbage Patch where that bunny bees were sprinkling magic crystals. A Cabbage Patch Kid would be born. Oh boy. Look at how many Cabbage Patch Kids these people have. That's over a thousand. Oh, I'll get more into the prosies a little bit later because they have a favorite Cabbage Patch Kid who they treat as one of their own. Once he convinced Xavier to change the doll's name to Cabbage Patch Kids, Schlafer contracted all the major doll companies in the country and they all turned him down saying that the doll was too ugly to sell on the mass market. Can you believe that, Rob? Too ugly? I'm sure. (laughs) I know. 
It is insane. Schleifer was persistent, though, and he found Coleco, which was then famous for their success with electronic toys. They were really big in the very early video game market. They became very successful in the electronics, making handheld versions of popular games, like their tabletop mini-arcade versions of Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Galaxian, Frogger. They were all released in 1982, and they sold over 3 million units within a year. They also made multiple game systems like the ColecoVision, and that was able to play both Atari and Mattel games. Now, in 1982, Coleco's design team, headed by famed doll designer Judy Albert, which I'm sure that you are very familiar with her. Judy, Judy! She devised an industry-first, one-of-a-kind, plastic-headed Cabbage Patch Kid dolls with much cuter features, much softer bodies, and a normal toddler's proportions instead of the morbidly obese bodies on Xavier's originals. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I was a big baby. I was, you know, you know what I just realized? What? I was a morbidly obese baby, and I was born in 1983. Oh my God, am I a Cabbage Patch doll? Hold on, let me see if your butt's signed. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was then that there was uh, comparatively inexpensive. The dolls went from 18 to $28. The packaging was designed by Schlafer, and it, they were produced in Coleco's uh, factories in China. And the public went crazy now let's go back to the cabbage patch website 1983 baby i think you're lying because there weren't websites in 1983 well this is the website telling us what happened in 83 the current day website i see by the end of the year almost three million of the cabbage patch kid toys have been adopted but demand has not been met the cabbage patch kid toys go on record as the most successful new doll introduction in the history of the toy industry in december they are featured on the cover of newsweek they're very proud to mention how incredibly successful they were in 1983 but completely failed to mention what are now called the cabbage patch riots holiday season 1983 was crazy Welcome to another holiday shopping season. When the doors opened at this Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania store, the pushing and shoving began. One woman was knocked to the floor and suffered a broken leg. This scene has been repeated in hundreds of stores across the country that advertise the Cabbage Patch Kids. As far as I'm concerned, they're the worst looking things I've ever seen. I mean, they are pathetic looking, they're homely. I don't know what exactly the attachment is. I think they're cute, but kind of funny looking. Last year it was strawberry shortcake, this year it's Cabbage Patch dolls. But demand exceeds supply, and there is only one reason. Um, I, I like them. Most buyers can't express why this doll is so popular this year, and others can't explain why they want to buy it, but they do want it. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them. I don't like their faces, but I want one. Now, such was the epic Cabbage Patch Kids craze of 1983. The doll was in such a rabid demand that shoppers camped overnight at toy stores, stormed displays, and mobbed parking lots. Well, I, t- I had to take what they gave me, and they gave me a boy, and I wanted a girl. I, this is my second trip around. My husband works here, and I can't even get what I want. I miss work. I'm late for work to get this for my little girl. I'm not going to tell my boss. I'm trying to get there now. <laughs> the most famous incident occurred at a Zare department store in Wilkes Bar in Pennsylvania. An angry mob of a thousand parents wanted Cabbage Patch Kids. The riot in the store got so bad that the store manager grabbed a baseball bat to protect him. This is my life that's in danger, William Shigo <laughs> was quoted as saying in the New York Times. A Time article from 1983 about the craze had this to say. 
what are we to think of a homely, vinyl-faced cloth doll that has become such an object of desire to so many people that 5,000 of them staged a near riot last week at Hills Department Store in Charleston, West Virginia? Manager Scott Belcher could provide no explanation. He could only describe a Christmas crowd becoming a Christmas mob. They knocked over the display table. People were grabbing at each other, pushing and shoving. It got ugly. When people weren't beating each other, they bribed store clerks on or radio stations that were giving the doll away as prizes. Other desperate adults sought out the addresses of people who managed to successfully obtain one of these dolls with the aim of showing up at their house and doing God knows what. Also from the Time article, the company says it's chartering planes to bring in 200,000 more dolls a week from factories in Hong Kong. And faced with the false advertising charged by the Consumer Affairs Department of New York's Nassau County, which accuses Coleco of harassing children by advertising dolls that are not available, the manufacturer has temporarily suspended its advertising. So essentially, since they were advertising with out having dolls available, Consumer Affairs came to them and said, you need to pull your advertising because you're lying for children because they're not available, which I don't see happening nowadays. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Anything that sells out immediately, I'm sure, gets more ad space, so it creates more of a demand. Oh, absolutely. As to why Cabbage Patch Kids were so popular, time turned to the professionals. Psychologists offer their usual blizzard of explanations. One theory is that the very homeliness of the dolls is appealing. It is comfort. It is comforting, wrote Dr. Joyce Brothers, to feel the Cabbage Patch doll can be loved with all of your might, even though it isn't pretty. Even though your baby is ugly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where they're teaching children. That's fucked up. Still, another theory emphasizes the doll's adoption ritual. The computers have given each doll a mellifluous name like Cornelia Lenora or Clarissa Sadie, and each comes with its own birth certificate and adoption papers ready to be signed. Did you ever have one? I did not. Uh, oh, no, wait. I must have had one. My parents must have bought me one. I had one named Spencer, and I had it had a Wizard of Oz clothing. No, you know what? I didn't really have Cabbage Patch. I had Glowworms and uh, uh, My Buddy. Oh, My Buddy. My Buddy and me. And Kid Sister. But wasn't the My Buddy the... Uh, imp- the idea for yes, Chucky. Yes, he yeah. was the influence for Chucky, but in, t- in my innocent mind, he was a wonderful friend. Hey, friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review. Please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us. And the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app. Click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner. Click Go to Show. Scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to patreon.com and send us some money. And in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you.
1985 also was the year that Garbage Pail Kids were released. The wonderful folks who brought us baseball cards, tributes to the excellence of genuine heroes, the idols of generations of young Americans, now bring us Acne Amy, Tommy Gunn, Bad Breath Seth, Slain Wayne, and the rest of what are called the Garbage Pail Kids. Now, Garbage Pail Kids were a series of collectible sticker cards released by the Topps Company. Now, I tried to describe them, but I couldn't do it better than Wikipedia does. So this is what Wikipedia says. Each sticker card features a Garbage Pail Kid character having some comical abnormality, deformity, and or suffering a terrible fate with a humorous wordplay character named such as Atom Bomb or Blasted Billy. Now, the Garbage Pail Kids looked eerily similar to the Cabbage Patch Kids. Uh, They had the same round, odd faces, but the kids were getting involved in some crazy shit that my little Spencer Michael was not getting involved in. (laughs) Now, there was Slobby Robbie, who was an extremely overweight baby who was literally breaking a scale due to his weight problem. Why do they have to come at me like that? Dear Jeff uh, has a boombox playing so loudly on one side of his head that his brain is being blasted out of the opposite ear. How about Bad Breath Seth? He had such terrible breath that his friend had to wear a gas mask. Seth has caused a bird to die and fall from the sky because his breath is so bad. So that's just some ideas of what some of the things were. And I will say when I pulled examples, I did not pull Slobby Robbie <laughs> on purpose. Thank you. No, it's okay. I'll be over here. So many schools would go on to ban the cards because they were just offensive and distracting. I like them. Well, Mr. Xavier Robertson's company, Original Appalachian Artworks Incorporated, did not like that they had similar features to his precious Cabbage Patch dolls and also that they were just plain gross. They sued Tops. Now, the man who less than 10 years earlier stole the basic design of his dolls from someone else didn't like that someone could possibly be making money off of his Cabbage Patch dolls. Now, a New York Times article from 1986 talking about the case says this. A federal district judge agreed today to order Topps Chewing Gum Incorporated to stop producing Garbage Pail Kids stickers with while he considers whether they violate the copyright of the Cabbage Patch Kids. Now, although Judge G. Ernest Tidwell's ruling is not a final decision, a lawyer for Original Appalachian Artworks Incorporated of Cleveland, Georgia, maker of the doll, said it's a complete victory. Like Cabbage Patch Kids, Garbage Pail Kids have chubby faces and yarn-like hair, but the characters on the stickers engage in outrageous behavior and have names such as Acne, Amy, and Dead Fred. Appalachian charged that Garbage Pail Kids made the dolls less desirable. Tob said their stickers were satirical products permitted by copyright law, but Judge Tidwell's ruling, citing a fine line between parody and piracy, says the stickers were an attempt to make money. Now, as part of an out-of-court settlement, Tops agreed to modify the appearance of the Garbage Pail Kids to remove the resemblance between the characters and to change the logo design. Production of the series themselves continued, but by 1988, sales had dwindled and a planned Series 16 was never produced. So they got through 15 series of Garbage Pail Kids. That's incredible. So things were going very well for Coleco, who were still new to the doll-making business. With the influx of cash, they bought two board game manufacturers, now owning the rights to games like Scrabble, Parcheesi, and Trivial Pursuit, Coleco was ready to move away from electronics. They even released an ALF plush. <gasps> I love ALF. I know. Hey, Willie! <laughs> Thank you. Well, the problem was that buying the board game companies ended up being a bad idea. 
as they had a warehouse full of games then. There was also issues with the Coleco Atom personal computer that was released in 1983, the same year as the Cabbage Patch craze. So due to all these issues, Coleco had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 1988. But in 1989, Hasbro purchased most of Coleco's remaining product lines. Are you ready to go to 1992 to the Cabbage Patch website? I am indeed. The Cabbage Patch Kids are honored by being named the first official mascot of the U.S. Olympic team. They traveled with the athletes to Barcelona for the games, and many stay behind as friends for life with patients of a local children's hospital. So in the ni- it's still going on in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Oh, Robbie, I got a lot for you. Now, Hasbro would continue to make a line of dolls that even started adding little gimmicks like dolls who could play the kazoo. Some of the uh, more popular doll lines to come out under the Cabbage Patch names included Birthday Kids, Splash and Tan Kids, and Pretty Crimp and Curl. I kind of like how the Cabbage Patch Kids didn't grow up with the kids as the kids got older. Oh, no. So, like, like, this is, I found a hair there, Harry. Oh, look, here's Goth Greg. (laughs) Goth Greg is the first Cabbage Patch Kids to put on makeup at a young age, but it's dark makeup because Greg has some issues with his parents that he doesn't want to talk about. Greg's parents happen to be seven and nine-year-old Clarissa and Andy. (laughs) The license of... Cabbage Patch Kids moved around quite a bit. So it went from Hasbro. Then in 1994, Mattel acquired it. They first released a doll in 1995. One of Mattel's line of Cabbage Patch Kid doll, the Cabbage Patch Snack Time Kids, was designed to eat plastic snacks. Now, the mechanism enabling this was uh, a pair of one-way smooth metal rollers behind plastic lips. The snacks would exit the doll's back and magically appear into a backpack. The mechanism could be deactivated by releasing the backpack. They were extremely popular during the Christmas 1996 year. The line was voluntarily withdrawn from the market following an agreement between Mattel and Consumer Product Safety Commission in January 1997. Following several incidents where children got their fingers or hair stuck in the doll's mouth. Kids are stupid. Oh, yes, they are. In 2001, the license changed hands yet again. Toys R Us was running the distribution this time, and they were producing 20-inch kids and 18-inch baby dolls. Both had cloth bodies and vinyl heads. Now, in 2003, the license changed yet again, this time going to Play Along Toys. They used Roger Schlafer's original packaging, and they launched the Cabbage Patch Kids 25th Anniversary Collection using some of the original head sculpts from the very first Coleco editions. Now, let's go to 2005 to the CPK Cabbage Patch Kids website. The Toy Industry Association, TIA, selected the Cabbage Patch Kids brand as a finalist in the 2005 Toy of the Year, T-O-T-Y, award in the Property of the Year category. The 16-inch Cabbage Patch Kids manufactured by OAA Licensee Play Along Toys, division of Jack Specific Incorporated, was also a finalist in the Girl Toy of the Year, T-O-T-Y, the industry's version of the Oscars. Gives toy manufacturers the recognition they deserve for producing best-selling product, according to Tom Conley, president of the TI. Now let's jump forward to 2009. The Cabbage Patch Kid website says, Cabbage Patch Kids officially move into their new home on November 21st, 2009, with over 70,000 square feet of space and featuring the magic crystal tree where guests can watch a live delivery of the Cabbage Patch Kid. Open daily to the public with no admission fee. Check our calendars for special events and hours. Now this cabbage is having an at-home birth. So we're going to put Mama Cabbage in a bathtub, 
And, okay, well, boy, oh, well, this is sad. The water's a little too hot, so now we have cabbage soup for everybody. I'm so sorry kids had to see that. In 2011, Jack Specific acquired Play Along Toys and assumed Master Toy Licensee for Cabbage Patch Kids, another licensee. In 2015, Wicked Cool Toys became the current licensee of Cabbage Patch Kids. Wicked Cool Toys released new additions to the line like Little Sprouts, a toy line of tiny collectible dolls and adoptables, plush pets who interact with the kids. Mm. In 2018, the little people and Cabbage Patch Kids celebrate 40 years of adoptions in Cleveland, Georgia. 40 years. 1978 is when the first Little People doll was adopted. In 1979, Martha Nelson Thomas, the woman whose doll designed by Xavier Roberts had been stolen, filed a lawsuit against Xavier and his company. Oh, good. Martha's friend who told her she'd purchased one of Martha's doll babies in the Atlanta airport, Martha hadn't sold any to the airport. This was the first time that she was made aware that there was a copycat. Back in those days, before you could get copyright something, that you had to put a little copyright symbol or write copyrighted next to a product. I mean, it was simple as that. Martha never did this, opening the door for Xavier. Martha always felt that it took away from the doll babies being children so she didn't copyright the design. Martha wasn't a litigious person by any means, but she felt that she should get some recognition for her input for the doll. So the pre-trial lasted several years, but midway through the trial in 1985, the parties reached an undisclosed settlement out of court. Now, the exact amount was never said, but Martha said that she was able to put three children through college with the money. So she at least was able to do that. You know, she, she got some recognition, but she's still nowhere on the website. Nothing about it. There's actually a great Vice mini documentary on YouTube that I pulled some clips from that talk about this more in depth that is totally worth watching. Martha Nelson Thomas passed away from ovarian cancer in 2013. At her funeral, anyone who had a doll baby was invited to bring it and the front row pew was reserved for them. And now I will say this, when I first read that, I was like, oh, that's kind of lame. But then Vice has her husband talking about it, Aww. and they show a picture of it, and it's like, it's so fucking sweet. Like, I, I don't know, it's so sweet. I'm getting like teary-eyed because it's just like one of those things, it's so sad, I'm so glad she got a recognition. But I don't know. Oh, my that God. I'm getting too, I'm getting welled up just thinking about Ray's it. I'm crying. a softie. <laughs> Whatever. Now, things didn't end well very well between Xavier and Roger Schlafer either. Fine with me. I'm not a big fan of Xavier. Okay. This is wordy, but I'll explain. Roger originally developed and licensed Cabbage Patch Kids to Coleco under the name Schlafer, Nance, and Company, S-N and C for short. In 1983, Xavier was riding high off the Cabbage Patch Kids and decided to start a new line of dolls called Fur Skin Babies. They were collectible teddy bears that had similarities to Cabbage Patch Kids. Each fur skin baby had its own unique attire, names, and character background story in the Valley of Moody Hollow. Moody Hollow is where Xavier's roommate goes when he's just having a bad mood. <laughs> Unfortunately, the line ended in the late 1980s. Another part of that wordy statement was an hour-long TV show combining Cabbage Patch Kids and fur skin bears was offered to, by ABC to Xavier, but he turned them down. Now, SN and C, they didn't like that Xavier turned them down without their knowledge because he wanted to have complete creative control. And Xavier was holding money from Topps Settlement and Coleco, who owned the licensing of Cabbage Patch Kids, wasn't getting any of the Topps money. Got it. The suit was settled in 1988 by OAA and Coleco, paying SN and C an undisclosed amount of money. 
Six months after settling with SNNC, Coleco was out of business. Now, during Schlafer's six-year run with Cabbage Patch Kids, the brand generated over $4 billion in retail sales of licensed merchandise. So the dude pretty much built the brand for Xavier Roberts, came up with the story, and made $4 billion in his time. That is fucking insane. That is an insane number. And that dude is not mentioned on the website at all, which is just insane to me. Now, now, Xavier Roberts was able to buy a 30-room mansion with the success of The Stolen Idea. He has a chauffeur limousine and at one time apparently had a staff of 200. And there aren't as many news stories about Xavier's, but a Cabbage Patch Dolls still live on. Now, here's a clip I promised you. This is Pat and Joe Procy. They have a pa- Cabbage Patch Doll named Kevin that they love very very much and they actually have one of if not the largest collections of cabbage patch dolls in the world but kevin is their favorite we adopted kevin in 1985 with every kid that you adopt you promise to love them and be their best parents and and you know and take care of this child he's easy going quiet quiet behaved well-behaved. Well-behaved. Probably. Everybody has one kid that is special. They bond with, with that kid. Yeah. They have those arms open, those shining eyes, and they just <laughs> say, here I am. I'm the one. And this kid has it all. A custom vet just like his dad's, his own 1,000-square-foot playhouse, a college fund, oh, yeah, and a real-life sister. They actually have a real kid? You're lying to me. I didn't appreciate, you know, this kid coming along and, you know, taking my stuff. Well, she had her own room that she went to, but there could have been some jealousy, maybe. He's got a dog. I'm thinking, I couldn't have a dog. Okay, okay, I want to be very clear about this daughter that we're meeting. She is, first of all, she's drunk. Oh, yeah. She's drunk. And she's right, uh, they're filming her right in front of her wine cabinet, of which there is, like, many open holes. And one bottle with a cork in it. So you know that she's, oh, this poor woman. Now that you've seen the prosies and how much they love their Kevin, there's just some stories out there that before I finish up, I need to address. And they come from Snopes.com, which is the source for fact checks. Claim. Cabbage Patch dolls were designed to get people accustomed to the appearance of mutants following a thermonuclear war or were modeled upon mentally defective children. Is that true? No. Now, one legend that I've heard a few times, mostly back in the late 80s and early 90s, was that President Reagan had the company that produced Cabbage Patch dolls make them intentionally ugly. This legend maintains that government scientists thought that this is what the offspring of survivors of a nuclear war would look like. But by familiarizing them people with with this look, the survival of the human race would be ensured. Okay. Other versions of the story that I've heard is that this was the CIA's idea and that the government had actually exposed people to high levels of radiation and had them reproduce to get models to help with designing the dolls. This has been proven false. I just wanted to put that out there for people. There's also apparently an article about Cabbage Patch dolls coming to life and strangling their owners that appeared in National Enquirer in the late 1980s. That is true. This was uh, around the time of child's play, so obviously... In their defense, though, she wasn't a very good parent. (laughs) 
This is the last one. Cabbage Patch Kids are plagued by another rumor. One involved dolls supposedly returned to the factory for repairs. In that rumor, children who hopefully await their dolls return are saddened to received a death certificate instead. Is that true? They send them death certificates? I think that's a, I think that's a rumor, but man, what a fucking rumor, right? Now, I want to end with a reminder of how the Cabbage Patch story all started. Xavier Roberts was a 10-year-old boy who discovered the Cabbage Patch Kids by following a bunny bee behind a waterfall into a magic Cabbage Patch, where he found the Cabbage Patch babies being born. To help them find good homes, he built Babyland General in Cleveland, Georgia, where Cabbage Patch Kids could live and play until they were adopted. Now, when we get back from our break, we'll be coming to you live from the actual Cabbage Patch that Xavier started this all in. We'll discuss our thoughts on Cabbage Patch Kids live from behind the magical waterfall after this. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. I got to the store three and a half hours before they opened, and I was still 11th in line. The important thing is that you got one. All right, let's see it. What's all this fuss about? I want you to meet Sandra. She even has her own birth certificate. <sighs> what in the hell is that? It's a Cabbage Patch doll. What the hell's wrong with Sandra? Why does she look like that? Well, they all look like this, except for different colored yarn hair, stuff like that. It's not the yarn hair that's freaking me out. Why does Sandra look like she's been left in a hot trunk for a few days? That's the charm of them, that they aren't your normal, average, cute doll. This is the only thing your daughter asked for this Christmas. You're going to have to learn to love Sandra. I feel like Sandra's staring at me. Turn the box around. This house is part of the Cabbage Patch now. You're lucky I didn't have to end up buying a fake one. There's fake ones out there, you know. Oh, I'm thanking my lucky stars. I made sure Sandra is a real one. Her bottom has the official signature of the creator, Xavier Roberts. All right, this thing's going right in the garbage. Christmas is over. We're converting. Thank you. This was a sketch. The Cabbage Patch riots of 1983 opened up the doors for Black Friday sales. Oh, I didn't know that. So whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure, because I was a Power Rangers kind of guy. Oh, yeah. But the holidays have morphed from the hot toy to... Morphed like Mighty Morphin? Exactly. They've morphed from the hot toy to how cheap can I get that flat screen? No matter how you look at it, the Cabbage Patch kids were responsible for Black Fridays because it showed people wanting to go out there to get the deals or having to get the hottest toys that weren't maybe even not having a deal. Now, every year when there's a new toy that becomes super popular, it's always compared to Cabbage Patch Kids and Tickle Me Elmo every year. But Cabbage Patch Kids will live on. The same thing happens nowadays that did back in 1983, except for now there doesn't need to be a news crew to cover it because luckily the angry parents who didn't get what they wanted can now post about it immediately 
online. So because of Cabbage Patch Dolls, we have Black Friday. That was the first time that there was a crazy mass. I mean, to see the footage of the guy who owned the toy store standing with a baseball, a baseball bat, bat as a f- riot. I mean, they were rioting. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, when we were doing the uh, the episode, I was looking at some research because you said that it appeared on the front cover of Newsweek. Mm-hmm. A toy appeared on the front cover of Newsweek on uh, December 12th, 1983. And I was looking to see like what else could they have possibly have covered <laughs> back then. And they had a lot to choose from. Uh, First of all, the former head of the EPA who had been convicted of perjury. (laughs) France performed its first nuclear test. Steve Howe was suspended for a year of cocaine use. Uh, Lech Walesa from Poland got the Nobel Peace Prize. And here's one that I would have assumed it made a big news. Counselor to Ronald Reagan, Edward Meese, said that people go to soup kitchens, quote, because food is free and that's easier than paying for it. So you would have assumed that one of these things might have made the front cover of Newsweek, but no, no, my friend. Why, why you got a harsh my mellow? <laughs> well, thanks for teaching me all about Cabbage Patch Dolls, Ray. Of course. What an honor. Hey, you know what would be even more of an honor? What? A game. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Hi, Rob. Hi, Ray. Hello. Happy holidays, my friend. Happy holidays. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm honored. Happy to have you here. I love your sweater. Thank you very much. This is my holiday sweater, uh, which you'll notice not doesn't have Cabbage Patch Kids on there. has Garbage Pail Kids because that was the sort of evil, not evil, I would say the evil, the evil version of the Cabbage Patch Kids with the Garbage Pail Kids. And you were saying you made it yourself. Yeah, I knitted this. uh, That's incredible. Started last year. It's beautiful. Macrame like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) Yeah, it's a macrame sweater. (laughs) And uh, it's a new uh, fashion statement. So I was more partial to Garbage Pail Kids than than Cabbage Patch Kids. Just they had edge. Sure. They had a little grossness to them, which I thought was kind of fun. And they had fun names, too. So we're going to play a game called Garbage Pail Kids or Rubbish. I'm going to list three Garbage Pail Kids names. Two of them are fake. They're made up. One was a real name for a Garbage Pail Kid. Okay. You're going to try and guess... Which of these three names is the real Garbage Pail Kid? Is the real one. Is the real okay. one. The real, they really issued a Garbage Pail Kid okay. piece of merchandise with this name. So, first question. Your three names are Melty Mikey, Corroded Carl, Rusted Rusty. Rusty? I, I was going to say Corroded Carl. Corroded Carl is real. Corroded Carl is the correct one. Semicolon, Conjunction, Exclamation Mark. The real one? The real one. I want to say semi-colon, and it's probably like he lost half of his body. Oh, yeah, okay. That is correct. Semi, semi-colon, semi-colon. Two for two, y'all. Okay, next one. Putrid Pete. Gross Gus. Stinky Stan. Stinky Stan? I was going to say that or Gross Gus. Up to you, buddy. Let's go Gross, gr- gross Gus. I'm just going to try it. Stinky Stan. Oh, oh Stinky Rob. Stan. Okay, let me take my shirt off. Two for three. Yeah, one article mm-hmm. of clothing from each of you. Keep it on, buddy. Okay, which is real? Bipolar Margot. Oh, that one's true. Nutso Louie. Schizofran. I'm going to say Schizofran. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It's Schizofran. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> schizofran. Three for four. J. Decay. Stiff Jeff. Rigor Morty. I'd say Rigor Morty. Rigor Morty? J. Decay. J. Decay? That sounds like a drag. That's like a perfect drag name. J. Decay. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, J. Decay. Okay, you're uh, three for five here. 
two more. Plaguey Lacey, Buggy Betty, Pesky Peggy. Buggy Betty. Yeah. Buggy Betty is correct. Nice. Buggy Betty is correct. That was with America Ferrara, right? <laughs> Final one. Mm-hmm. Adam Bomb, Nitro Gen, Dan O'Mite. Adam Bomb. It's Adam Bomb. It's Adam Bomb. Yeah. Adam Bomb is a real name. I was looking when I was gonna say uh, when I was gonna say about your sweater, I was I, I forgot I what the name was on your sweater because he has Adam Bomb on his sweater. So. And it was a giveaway. Yeah. It was yeah, and it detonates. Uh yeah, I think you nailed five for five for seven on that one. Hey, pretty okay. good, buddy. Pretty, pretty good. darn Thanks, good. Mark. I can tell my dad about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, exclamation mark. Uh folks, we hope we hope you have happy holidays. Don't get too crazy buying gifts for people. Remember. You saw what happened in the Cabbage Patch riots of 83. Please. We want to avoid that. Ray still hasn't spoken since then. Thanks, Ray. All right. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care. He's waving. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg. Our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese. Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford. Our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia. And finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 